you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my family and friends. We certainly appreciate you guys being here. Welcome to the big podcast, Tent Top in the Sky. Tent Top? Is that a word? I just made it up. Uh, And uh, we certainly appreciate you guys being here. Remember, the Chris Voss Show is a giant family. You know that family that uh, you're probably the black sheep of and your family won't talk to you anymore? Well, the great thing is you have a secondary family with the Chris Voss Show. Uh, The Chris Voss Show is the family that loves you. It's a giant community of love and intelligence and knowledge, but we don't judge you. I mean, there's some other people in the back there. Maybe I can see that. I'm I'm looking over the audience. Uh, Yeah, the guy in the uh, purple shirt there. I don't know what's going on with you, man, but uh, I love Prince. But uh, you look funny. No, I'm just kidding. The purple shirt guy's fine. I, I don't even just making up colors and numbers here. So anyway, guys, the Chris Voss Show is a family that loves you, doesn't judge you, maybe not as harshly as your mom does. Uh, so be sure to refer the show to your other family and friends that maybe you want to bring some love to. <laughs> Go to Goodreads.com for it says Chris Voss, LinkedIn.com for it says Chris Voss, YouTube.com for it says Chris Voss, all those places that the Chris Voss Show is on the crazy internet in the sky. We have an amazing gentleman, an author on the show, and uh, that's all we have. Like, we reject anybody who's not an amazing person on the show, which is, I'm not sure how I got to be hosting, but somehow I slid into the gig. Uh, but we have amazing people on the show, and he joins us today to talk about his latest book. came out January 14th, 2023, Role of Love, The Most Effective Way to Demonstrate Love Every Day. Paul Zolman joins us on the show today. He's going to be talking about his uh, amazing first book. Uh, what qualifies Mr. Paul Zolman to speak about love? We're going to find out, darn it. His childhood experience of the opposite was the opposite of love. And from that austere beginning and the distaste that it formed inside of him, he searched for and eventually created a method that transformed his life from anger to loving everyone. That's a healthy thing to do because I've tried the anger part. And it, 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 it's not healthy for you. Uh, growing up in a family of abuse, physical touch became his preferred love style only because of the regularity. He could almost count on it. It was consistent. And he came to think that this was the way to express love. But deep inside, he knew that was a twisted belief. He wanted a better life for himself, which is why he created a paradigm shift that works. Welcome to the show, Paul. How are you? Thank you, Chris. Appreciate the invitation to be on the show. Appreciate having you on the show. We're going to learn a lot about love. The world needs more love, damn it, because there's a lot of anger, hate, and misery in the world. And uh, we're not all about that. We like good stuff. So give me your .coms, Paul, so people can find you on the interwebs. So it's rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love.com. And they can find me on Instagram under rolloflovedice. There you go. Facebook as well. There you go. And we should get a plug-in for, you've got a, uh, a separate journal people can uh, tie in with this as well, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Uh, and did I get the, is it a journal or it was a workbook? I can't remember. No, it is It is a journal. There you go. And there you go. In, inside the journal uh, is just 
it becomes a love journal. I'll talk a little bit about it as we okay. keep going. Let's get into it. So uh, now that we've gotten into that, give us a 30,000 overview of the book and what's inside, please. Okay, the 30,000 foot overview of the book is, uh, Chris, is just, it's a book about my journey, how this all came to be, mm -hmm. uh, what what I had to do to, to overcome that anger. And I, I let me just back up a little bit. I, I, I know you've been an investigator before, and so I want to kind of give the profile for you. That you know, let me start with my grandfather. That he was born in Indiana in the late 1800s, and had nine children. After that ninth child, his wife passed away, and he was so distraught that he sold the farm, sold all the equipment, and when the buyers came for all that, it mm -hmm. was like an auction. When they came for that, he said, "Would you like one of these children? One of these children? One of these children?" Gave them all away except for one. Then he moved to Montana with Benjamin, moved to Montana, married my grandmother, had another 10 children, of which my father was the sixth child. Wow. This same grandfather died when my father was 10 years old. So here you have, Chris, 19 children fathered by this grandfather of mine that have been abandoned. Just wow. they're the, the first nine in Indiana and then another 10 early in their early ages in Montana. And I'm, I'm actually number 10 of 11 children myself. Wow. So just, just big families. But stuff like that passes on from generation to generation. Mm -hmm. And so th just the economic hardship, all, all the hard things of the abandonment, just everything you can see kind of why abuse or just mad things, things you plan on getting mad at. You know, you hear people say, I'm, I'm going to be mad if – or I'm going to be really upset if they're planning on being mad. And that's, that was my family. Oh, wow. You know, generational trauma is a real big thing. Uh, people need to address it, you know, Absolutely. Um, and uh, you know, passing on alcoholism, different other things, sometimes chemically. Um, but the, but the trauma gets passed on because we all learn. And we talked about this on the show before we all learn from our parents. Our parents set an example for us. And even if your parents say, you know, don't lie, and then they lie to you, and you're like, you just lied to me. You're full of shit, as George Carlin used to say. Um, and, you know, pe parents need to realize that the example they set, not only as themselves as integral human beings or people lack integrity, maybe, um, or in the interpersonal relationship between uh, a masculine and a feminine sets the standard for how people develop relationships and choose relationships and stuff. So you go through this experience of your childhood and you're, you're dealing with what your what they're telling you is love, but there's probably some bit of a trauma there and, and stuff like that. Tell us how you kind of go through that journey and, and uh, come out of it. So, so I remember times in, in my childhood, I remember one time that I'd been spanked and this it's back to what you said, Chris, that, they say don't hit, but here they are spanking, and that's really, and it's, it's and, and it's really severe. And and I remember being black and blue on my rear. I had to look in the mirror to see it, but black and blue on my rear for over over three weeks. Wow. And it was severe. The severity of that. I remember just having probably being maybe between ages seven or nine, have having that had done uh, having that done to me. And I remember just feeling so bad about myself. I had a little tiny pocket knife that was probably folded up and everything was maybe an inch and a half, maybe two inches. 
when you opened it up, it had a one inch blade. Mm-hmm. And I and I put that blade to my chest and I thought, uh, you know what? Th- that point hurts. Mm-hmm. And I didn't push it in. And I thought, it, I thought to myself, if I push it in, I'm going to hurt myself. And then, then it's not going to kill me because it's not big enough to go to the heart. And I thought, I just kind of talked myself totally out of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I was just thinking, I'm, I'm just going to end this. Mm-hmm. And I talked myself out of it, cried myself to sleep. And that was really the end of that. Really didn't have any other incidents other than that. But it was just that severe. With Coupled with that anger that from that childhood and back to the 30,000 view, view of this is that that anger gets pent up. And there's residual anger. Even if you move out of the circumstance, you move out of that situation, that anger is pent up. And you've got to find a way to release it. Got to find a way to replace that with something else. And I worked and worked and worked and tried and tried, tried a ton of things to try to get rid of it. And it came to a point that, you know, about 15, uh, well, when I was age 35, I kept blaming my dad for mm-hmm. all, the, all the failed relationships that I had in my life. Mm-hmm. And if you, there's something funny about blame. If you can blame someone, you don't have to change. <laughs> no self-accountability, yeah. It's, it's their fault. It's their fault, and, and they've got to change. If you can blame someone, and I was blaming him, the funny thing about that, Chris, it's not so funny. My father had been dead seven years by the time I came to this realization. Wow. At age 35, he was dead, had been had deceased seven years earlier. I was still blaming him. He had no no way to defend himself or anything like that. I realized, you know what, I'm responsible for my own life, my own decisions. And so it turned a cor- little corner there. I thought I was done. Then I had another another paradigm shift that I was dating about 15 years ago, and it was time to take this this woman I was dating up for big brother approval. You know, I'm number 10 of 11 again, and I always <laughs> have to have that big brother, big sister approval. Always had to have that yeah. growing up, and I didn't grow out of it. And and if I had big brother, he's, he's a deceased now, but if he was around, I still would go to big brother for the approval. But mm-hmm. I took this lady in. It was a neighbor of my sister. She thought I was lonely at the time. I'd been divorced, thought I was lonely, introduced me to it. We developed that relationship good enough to to take her to uh, visit Big Brother. First thing my sister-in-law did when we arrived, she pulled her aside and said, the only emotion that the Zolman family learned growing up was anger. At first I did not, I said, "Uh uh-uh, and then it made me mad. (laughs) And I thought, huh. Wow. She nailed it. She nailed it. Yeah, so from that time, Chris, I I thought, you know what, I, I have an opportunity here Mm-hmm. To change that perception for the whole Zolman family, or at least any any of my descendants of the Zolman family. Mm-hmm. So I started reading, reading the books, reading the color code, trying to learn more about love, and and then I uh, read Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. Oh. I liked. I really liked the principles of the Five Love Languages. I didn't get the application. <laughs> I, my love it. language is pizza by the way, and tacos. <laughs> I'll send some to you. Yeah. So, so I, I thought, Dr. Chapman, I'm supposed to guess what Chris's love language is and cater to that, and then uh, and, and then that's going to be called love? 
I, Dr. Chapman, listen, I grew up in a, in, in a home that I didn't know what love was, but I don't think that's love either. Mm-hmm. And then the second application that Dr. Chapman suggests is that, well, if I take this survey, then I find out what love language I am. Then what? Mm-hmm. What do I do, Chris? Do I advertise that? Hello, Chris. Uh, I, I have a tattoo on my on my chest. It says what? my lung language is uh, pizza. So <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I advertise it. That's how you <laughs> don't do that, people. So, so hello, Chris. I'm Gifts. What do you have for me today? I'm exactly. just, just a little awkward yeah. trying to tell somebody how to love you. And mm-hmm. then inadvertently, Dr. Chapman created this little pity party. He said, Well, I told you how to love me. Why aren't you doing it? And you get that little whiny voice that people people get, and it just doesn't work. It just yeah. it, to, for me, it didn't work. But yeah. I really like the principles. So what I did about that, Chris, is I contacted Dr. Chapman and thought, you know, I liked games when I was a kid. I wonder if I can make this a game. I asked him if he was licensing the icons. He said no. You know what? They're kind of ugly. They're from 1992. I mean, they're just old and they're just a little dated. So I found a copyright attorney. Mm-hmm. He said that theory is not copyrightable. So the theory of the five love language, not copyrightable. Application is. He wasn't doing it as a game, so I made it a game. And th- this is what it looks like. Oh, so Made it into a dice. Okay. So there, there you see gifts. Mm-hmm. See touch. Touch. There's time. Okay. Service. Food. Is it food or service? Probably service. <laughs> Pizza. When I, yeah, whenever I see somebody holding a plate, I'm like, food. <laughs> and then the gifts. There so you five, go. five love languages, six sides on the dice. Uh-huh. This, this one is surprise me. So, oh. there, so there's just two instructions, Chris. You roll the die every day. That's the love language you practice all day that day. Oh, all day to everyone. So in reading the book, I thought, if it's only to, to significant others, that's kind of part-time. Yeah. If you're not with significant others all day long. Mm-hmm. So how am I supposed to remember a part-time job? So if I go to work, <laughs> I go to, go from home, and I go to work, and I come home, then I forget that I'm, I'm doing that part-time job again. That didn't work for me either. This I was single when I created this. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't have any significant others. I had to do it to everyone. And that, I think that's the key, what has really been successful for me. So by rolling the dice, are you doing a self-discipline practice where you're learning to focus on uh, you know, being able to apply yourself in delivering those love languages to those people who need it? Or not necessarily to those that need it, but you're watching for opportunities all day long. Oh, okay. So, so, so Chris, what well, it changes the mindset, and this was is what really excited me about. I just needed a new mindset. What I would be doing is I'd I'd have an annoyance, and then I'd have another annoyance, and mm-hmm. then I'd have another annoyance, and then I'd have another annoyance, and then I'd flash. I'd have I'd just have this madness flash. Mm-hmm. And then I go back down, and then I start over again, the same process, annoyance on top of annoyance, parlaying that until I had a flash. I didn't have any flashes anymore because the mindset for this changed it to what's right about that person? What can I love about that person? And I was so busy with that, I never went down that critical passive. What's wrong with that person? 
mm-hmm. and what how can I criticize or what how can I judge that person? It never went down that path. And if you if you had over a thirty day period, what I found out is that that by rolling the die, you give away several times over that thirty day period every five all five love languages. Okay. So you learn how to learn them all. Even after reading four or five times the book, The Five mm-hmm. Love Languages, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't name them right off the top of my head what the five love languages were. I couldn't, didn't get it. Mm-hmm. By doing this, by giving it away, and by doing, you actually learn them, and it broadens your spectrum for looking at it when it comes your way. So it gives you kind of a peripheral vision, if you will, of the love coming back your way. You can recognize it and, and then respond. Those are the only two things you have control over. You can't bid love to come to you. Mm-hmm. You can give it away, and then you can respond when it comes your way. There you go. But the way I usually play uh, love games is usually like Monopoly. Uh, pass them $200 as I go around and go. Um, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but usually I'm going to stay in there. Uh, I, I absolutely know what that means. There you go. Uh, <laughs> Just uh, just deposit here, and uh, everything will be fine. Um, so it, I, you've created this dice, and I can see it on the cover of your book. And I imagine talking about the love, uh, playing a game of love or a game of love uh, to remind yourself of all these features. This is one of the reasons that the title of your book is called The Role, R-O-L-E, The Role, The Gaming Role of Love. Is that correct? Absolutely. So. So it changes you inside. It's a play on words. You R O L L the die. You change it by following what the die says. It changes you within, so that you you know, you, you just have a different disposition. You're not looking for opportunities. You're not saying just wait. If that happens, I'm going to be mad. You're not planning to be mad. You're planning for love. You're planning. Mm-hmm. I'm looking for opportunities to love. One other thing about the die that I found is that as I'm practicing that love language all day that day, giving it away, I'm watching for people that light up. And mm. when they light up, I don't have to give them the survey, Chris. I don't have to say, could you please take this survey so that I can figure out how to love you? Mm-hmm. And, and then I could, if you just had your shirt off, Chris, I could see that you had pizza on there. I'd know how to love you. Yeah, it's the tattoo there. Right, that tattoo. Matter <laughs> if you if I have my shirt off, you can see that I have eaten way too much pizza over fifty five years. So I'm wearing. I'm still wearing about I'm, half of it. We're glad for that today. Well, yeah, we're trying to get rid. Of, we're trying to move it on to uh, I don't know uh, healthy drinks like wheatgrass, and so um, that's the new thing. <laughs> But it tastes awful. Uh, so I can see on the book you've got the dice roll there. Uh, you talk about the role of love. And basically, this is a way for when people struggle on how to give or receive love, um, they can understand the roles on how to love better. Is this kind of also play into, you know, self-love? Like maybe I, if I don't feel loved, I can roll the dice and be like, oh, hey, I should go get some pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question, Chris. And I think that it really does play into self-love, but you get it a different way. Oh. Um, I've, what I found is that you've got to really trust the system that you send the love out without really out any expectation of anything coming back. If, oh. you, if you're thinking about reciprocation, that's a transaction. And love really is, true love is not really transactional. It's oh. sending, sending it out without any expectation of it coming back, but trusting that it's a boomerang. It's, yeah. absolute, it's ab- absolutely coming back. The, um, on the contrast, if you send anger out, 
you got an immediate return on your investment. It's coming right back. That's true. I don't ever expect love when I send out to come back. I just think of it as extortion. So there's that. <laughs> is that a word? Is that, is that in your book? That's um, there you go. We do the jokes around here. So, um, you know, was there a reason you went with the dice instead of, like I said, the Monopoly model or, I don't know, Stratego or chess? <laughs> I really wanted it to be simple. I wanted it to be so simple. Mm -hmm. You know, it takes less than two seconds to roll the die in the morning. People are, are very busy, and if this, if two seconds of investment mm -hmm. will change your life, will change your day, would you not do it? I think that everybody out there listening in your podcast and, and, and those that are even not listening, everybody wants a huge return on investment. They put a tiny bit in, they mm -hmm. get a huge amount back. This is one of those things. Just two seconds of the day at the start of the day, you'll get a huge return. And I made it a die with with there's no words on it. Obviously, you can see that they're all they're all just pictures. And I did it that way on purpose because Chris, if I say the word elephant, in your mind you're not seeing the words E L E P A H N T. You're not seeing the letters. You're seeing the animal itself. It, it, it's a memory hook. This mm. whatever you rolled for the day, you'll it'll be a visual for you. You'll be able to remember it. And then you'll be watching all day long for those opportunities. Uh, in a school system, this is ideal. At the beginning of the day, the class rolls the die. They're watching for opportunities to love within the classroom setting all day that day. And at the end of the day, that's where the journal comes in. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was going to talk about, the journal. So at the end of the day, the last 10 to 15 minutes, kids are rambunctious. They're anxious. They know the bell's going to ring. They're ready to go home. They've been there all day. It's just non-productive time. So let's turn that into back into productive time at the end of the day. Have them write in the journal what they rolled that day, mm -hmm. what opportunities they saw to mm -hmm. love in that way that day, and then what they did about those opportunities. Just think of that. At the end of the year, a first grader's got a journal, a love journal for first grade. When you become an adult, that's going to be invaluable for you. When you become a parent, it's going to be even more valuable or a grandparent. Who wouldn't love to have a, a love journal like that from their mother or their father or their grandmother or their grandfather? The journals I got from my mother and my grandmother talked about the weather 50, 60 years ago. Who cares about the weather 50, 60 years ago? I would have loved to have something about love. There you go. I'm going to get one and use as a documented journal and have them sign every day. Did I love you in the way that your love language was today? Okay, I need you to sign that, and I need a notary uh, so that we can do that. We'll do that again tomorrow. I don't know. Good I idea. Just, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> yeah, then you got something to hand the attorney. I'm just kidding. Uh, divorce jokes, abundance. Um, so let's get into the journal some more. Uh, tell us about what's inside there and how it does. And the question I have for you, too, if you don't mind me throwing two at you, is it seems like this kind of focuses more on, uh, not more on, but a lot on gratitude. Because if you're not looking for love and you're looking for anger or things to make you bitter or be angry about, it's a whole different mindset, right, and paradigm. It is. And um, so I have a story about the looking for love. You know, before I met this lady that I took to my brother for big brother approval, for, and, and the reason I was so hesitant is I was living seven hours away from my sister at the time, and, and she wanted me to get in touch and start dating her neighbor. And I, I just come off a year and a half of, of – uh, midlife crisis. I've been divorced and, and just come up a year and a half midlife crisis of doing destination dating. 
where I was in one city, she was in another city. We'd pick a city, meet there, and have a date. So I'd been to Daytona Beach, Jacksonville, Florida, Atlanta, Georgia, Nashville, Kansas, Kansas City, New York City, Charlotte, North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, Char Charleston, South Carolina. That's Phoenix, not dating. You're on tour. Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Snowflake, Arizona, and Cabo San Lucas. Holy so shit. They were, it was fabulous. I loved it. I spent more than $10,000 just doing destination dating, but did not find love. Hell of a way to vacation, it, though. It was <laughs> And it was fun. I had fun. I had a there great time. Yeah. Hey, look, see some nice places. Yeah. So if fun was the object, then the, I, did, I did a great job. I accomplished it. So you're but, looking uh, for love language there. It, uh, a fun. Yeah. Maybe I should have uh, like a seven side dice that has a like, fun on it. Yeah. yeah. Travel fun. Yeah. There Travel, you go. Fun. Yeah. A, a cruise ship on it. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Anyway, so just looking for love just really doesn't work. Because it's again, it's back to the direction, and mm -hmm. this is this is really key, Chris. That you have to know that you're only in control of sending that out and reacting when it comes your way. You mm -hmm. really can't bid it. That means you can't find it. So if you if you find it, it, it's you're supposing that you found somebody that might like you and is sending it your way, mm -hmm. and it's real. That's really really hard. That's just by sending it out. People are going to, it's naturally going to come back. It's absolutely going to come back to you. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, you know, uh, what's that old sign? Uh, uh, well, I had two songs in my head, looking for love in all our own places. And there then, you go. Uh, and then uh, what you send out is the love you receive. I can't remember. Love you send out. I think it's triumph. Um, and so people can use the journal to stay grounded. They can, they can focus on, um uh gratitude gratitude is a huge thing for me when i when i focus on being uh having some gratitude instead of being an asshole all the time uh i find that i'm less of an asshole but i'm still an asshole uh so there's that uh <laughs> you talk in the book about how uh <laughs> things i do for a joke uh you talk about this uh, in the book the law of harvest tell us what that is and is that me harvesting pizza or is that something else could, it could be pizza. I hadn't thought of that, but um, uh, you're, you're, I, I think I could write another book with the, just your show here. You got book two. I'm setting you up yeah, for it, man. Book, give book me all two. the reserve. I'm going to give you yeah. give you a little credit. S send me a five dollar write check. The, write the forward or something. There you go. Uh, yeah. So the law of the harvest is is just what we've been talking about. It's the boomerang effect. You send mm -hmm. it out. You plant it. Plant the seeds. You nourish those seeds; it'll come back to you. Mm. It may take several days, but but just you just need to trust that it'll come back. But it's more like putting money into a piggy bank. You're saving that for a rainy day. When that rainy day comes, then then the payback it'll be there. The money will mm. be there for you. Love, you're filling the wells of other people, and hopefully it'll come back, and they'll people will fill your well as well. It, it, it happens that way. Um, one, one thing that, um, maybe some of your listeners have, have gone to yoga class. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever gone to yoga class and yeah. it's hard. And, and I imagine your hand is up like that service service guy and you're trying to hold the pizza there yeah. and, and, that, and on one foot, that would be a yoga. And then I just go, mm, um, <laughs> um, yum, yum, yum. Um, that's, yum, that's, yum. That's, yeah, that's I, I can see it. <laughs> Thanks for setting me up on that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when they go to the yoga class, people put their hands together like they're praying like this, 
and then they mm -hmm. say namaste so namaste is exactly kind of what this, what this is all about the namaste literally means the god in me sees the god in you or said another way the divine in me sees the divine in you oh okay and so that's that's the literal meaning of it. it's the the tibetan monks that that created that as far as i know um and they when they say that they really mean it that they're seeing something good in you mm -hmm. when you're rolling the die and watching for those opportunities to love you're saying what's good about that person how can i love that person today how can i brighten their day how can i uplift them how can i make them light up there you go i mean that's something we need to remember about and and become more spiritual about what do you what do you find most uh, of your readers are writing you back and gaining from your book and saying it's inspiring or, or touching or moving them the most I think it's uh, raising the level of consciousness, like you had mentioned before, Chris, that people are more aware of the good things that people are doing. You know, if you take mainstream media, they're always focusing on, and it sells, uh, the murder and the violence and the criminal crim, criminal things. Those things really sell. But but love doesn't sell that great. Yeah. I mean, it just, it just doesn't. I mean, if it's a romance novel, it, it'll sell well. Sure. But just, just general love, the kindness and caring of one another, the human humanity uh, of, of people just is really not, not a big seller. Um, but, I, but I found that it's just, it's just a better life. And that's where you find your own happiness. That's where you find your own love, your own self-love that we talked, you ta asked a lot about a little bit before, a little bit ago, that you're going to find out that you're going to find great satisfaction in, in making someone's day a lot better just by sending them, giving, giving them a compliment, helping them um, just, just have a happier day, lifting them up, lighting them up. Um, just, just for example, I've got a, a few examples. One, um, there may be nemesis out there like the IRS. I mean, who, who, who can love the IRS? And it's just kind of one of those hard, hard ones to love. But I got a, a notice a couple months ago from the state tax commission uh, here in the state where I live, and and they said that I owed them twenty five hundred dollars, and and it was for a corporation that was really dormant, and mm -hmm. I was closing the corporation down. So when I called the called this office just to talk to him, normally this person that answers the phone gets beat up all day long. You mm -hmm. would think that they're, they're, people are calling mad as, uh, and, and they've got horns on their head and they're just just giving it to the person. I ask, she, they all, all uh, answer and they say their name. She answered and said her name was Katya. And, he, and I, spelled, I said, could you speak, spell that for me? She said K-A-T-Y-A. I said, oh, I thought you said Katya, and I thought you were perfect for this job because you caught me, and, and I caught you. And, and it was just hilarious. No one had ever expressed that to her about her name. She was in the tax collection office, and her name's Katya. And it was just, just hilarious, a hilarious moment for me, and it actually became hysterical for her. She just laughed <laughs> off the hook, and it was just, just as funny as can be. But she got right down to business, cleared that $2,500, closed down the corporation, and it was just just like that. It did not nice. take much at all. But just expressing kindness, even in an adverse situation, having a little bit of humor like you've got, Chris, just having that really helps express love in that way to everyone.
I mean, they're people too. That's just their job, but yeah. perfect, perfect name for that job. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. She's answering it every time going, hello, Katya. Hello, Katya. Bingo. <laughs> Um, did you ever think about taking the dice? And uh, I, I think I can think of one addition. I date I date very badly and poorly, and uh, I, I don't know. Maybe it's childhood trauma, but I have a very horrible picker. Or maybe I just date women that have some issues. Or I don't know. There's some. It's me. It's clearly me. But uh, you ever thought about putting one of the sides of the dice just like a bank account? Because that seems to be what my girlfriend's love languages are. <laughs> No, I, I seriously Access to my bank account. <laughs> you know, I'm just doing jokes, people. There, there was an attorney here in town that that all he wanted on on his die was he wanted six sides of physical touch. That's oh, all. Really? He wow. Yeah. Mm. So he roll he'd roll the die every day. That's what he wanted to give away. That's what he wanted to get mm. back, and that was it. That's when you put a little uh, thing of lead or solder on that side of the dice. You know. What do they call those dice in Vegas that are that are stacked or you know suddenly they roll they always roll a certain way mm. and stuff but it's probably good too in a relationship to help focus each other on reminding each other that hey uh, my lung language isn't hitting over the head with a board um, maybe you should try I don't know pizza yeah, oh, there you go right and so it probably builds better relationships when you say it absolutely does when uh, when you're making that, those mental notes of people. People getting excited or lighting up, as I call it, uh, when when you're expressing love to them and just taking those mental notes, just wash, rinse, repeat. You're doing that over and over again for that person. It's a better gauge that I found than than even a survey. The survey I took, obviously, I was I was uh, physical touch because of my background, but as I grow older, it, it changes. It really has changed. And more the words is really what, what really kind of lights me up. Just, mm -hmm. just the people talking to me and just ex their expressions and how they ex make their expressions really, really changes, changes my disposition, helps mm -hmm. me feel better. How do you know when you feel loved? Is it be people are speaking your love language or, um, I mean, how, and, and do people need to identify, hey, this person is trying to love me, you know, like some people's minds you can't read and some people don't communicate to you what their love language is. Do you need to roll the dice for them and be like, show me on the dice where it all hurt you or something, you know, what that sort of thing? I don't know. Yeah, not really. So what I, what I would suggest is that, that you uh, just find out what, like I said, what lights them up. And that's really... And, and the way to feel that you're being loved is they'll do it in, in the genre that you like, mm. like the best. But the nice thing about this, Chris, is after a 30-day period of rolling the die, you get to the point that you become what I like to call a love language linguist. No. You, know, you know all the love languages to give it away. I'm putting this in my Tinder profile. I'm going to get the babes now. Absolutely, no, and, you know, and you want to put it on your resume too. Everybody wants it on their resume. Love the, language, language. Yeah, power. sexy, sexy title. Just think of it though, Chris. A, re a resume that has that love language linguist on it. The player's going to ask, "What the heck is a love language linguist?" Yeah. You're going to say, "Well, I just love people." Yeah. And that, that employer said, "Well, I need my customers' love, and I want kind of a loving environment within the workplace." Yeah. Your resume is going to rise up to the top. But the HR department might not some might might not like some versions of love though. I don't know what <laughs> the the touching part might be bad. So yeah. 
There's that. Well, in the workplace, you're doing the high five, the fist bumps, and yeah, the pat I just the wave at people. I don't touch anybody at work. Oh, just wave. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. I just wave, and or maybe I flip the bird. It depends on my mood. That's a wave too. Oh uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you over there, stay over on that side of your right. office. Um, so there's that. I clearly, but I need to get your dice and roll the love language. And and I like you know what you look for in life is what you find. Uh, and you know, I remember there was an analogy, I think it was Tony Robbins that taught this in 89 when I went and saw him and he talked about, you know, there's two people can go into a party and one person can be, you know, kind of have a negative mindset and they can see like everything wrong with the party and they can see all the unhappy people that are miserable and they're not having a good time and uh, people that don't like the food at the party or whatever. And, and then another person go to the party and they can see it's the greatest party in the world. And everyone's happy and, and everything. You know, it's kind of like when you buy a, a green Pinto. As soon as you start driving that green Pinto around, you start seeing, you know, other green Pintos. And it, it's part of this uh, thing we do to validate that, hey, I make good decisions or, hey, I see the world uh, properly. And so two people can come away with two different, completely different experiences of their thing. And so what you're doing by, by making people focus on, you know, finding love and where love is and how to give love and, and get love back, uh, you're going to get what you're looking for. Whereas if you go out looking for anger, oh, man, I got a, I got a whole host of new sites of politicians I can hook you up with. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And by the way, it was a blue pinto that I had. It was a blue? You had the blue pinto? Blue, yeah. 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 1974. Yeah, I was awesome. Yeah. I used to oh. ride around those. You know, the best part was they uh, they made great fireworks if you rode, rode in the back of them. Or it was free. free. It came <laughs> with a car. They don't make cars like that anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I really like what you just said, Chris, about um, focusing on, on one thing or another. And, you know, I, I kind of compare it to a magnifying glass. That oh, a magnifying glass makes things bigger. So if you're going to magnify something, who wants to magnify the faults of another? Because guess what? That boomerang's coming right back to you. They're going to look at what's wrong with with you, and if you do, you want that? Who wants that? No, because so, there's a lot of things wrong with me, and people need to see, don't need to see it any bigger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's focus on the good things, Chris. And yeah, the, focus on the the. I mean, one or two, two and a half things that are good. Right. And just ignore the rest of all of it. Well, let's magnify and grow that two two and a half thing. Yeah, there you go. Let's That's what the magnifier glass is good for. Make it at least three. Yeah. Yeah, two looks like three or one and a half looks like three. I need all the help I can get. So uh, this has been really insightful. Anything more you want to tease out on the book and the journal before we go? Just one other thing. You know, I, I tested this with a family. So just as far as the spectrum of who, who can benefit from this, small children that even can't even read because it's pictures, they can't even read, can can do that. So one time that I, um, um, I tested it with a family, five children. The youngest is four years old. And one day he rolls, he rolls physical touch. He jumps up in the air, pumps his fist up and down, and says, yes, physical touch. Immediately, he went to beat up on his brothers. Oh! And, <laughs> and the mother starts cracking up, and she had to kind of suppress uh, the laughter because you want it as a teaching moment, obviously. Somebody now, got taught. Yeah, this is, this is appropriate physical touch. So this is really a great teaching tool for families that way, mm. even as far, young children that you can tell them what each one is. They'll memorize it quickly. They'll know and they'll want to roll the die themselves. There you so, go. 
Well, what a hero's journey you've been on. You've you've gone from uh, childhood abuse, trauma, et cetera, et cetera, and and you've overcome that, and now you're in a point where you're learning to share that with other people, uh, brighten lives, bring more love to the world. Because you know, if you've seen the TV lately, we need more of that. Uh, not more of the TV, I should clarify. Uh, more of the love, uh, and uh, maybe we can make the world a better place. Uh, yeah, I think uh, it harkens me to John Lennon's song, uh, Imagine, which is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, so thank you very much, Paul, for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, man. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Delightful. Pleasure, too. Lots of fun, too. Lots of pizza jokes, too. Absolutely. Do I get, Enjoy do I get, do I get paid in pizza? Do, do we have a do we have a Domino's uh, <laughs> sponsorship? Anyway, Paul, give us your .com so people can find you on the internet, please. So it's rolloflove.com, R-O-L-E of love.com, and you can find it there. If you're, if you're a podcast person and you're listening to the podcast, you might like to listen to an Audible, too, and you can go to put my name in on on amazon if you put love in you're going to get a million hits of love this love that love everything mm. put my name in there it'll go right to the right to the book and you can order the audible on amazon there you go there you go well thanks for coming on uh paul uh thanks Manis, for tuning in uh order the book wherever fine books are sold you can get the journal and the book uh role of love the most effective way to demonstrate love every day available january 14th 2023 thanks so much for tuning in go to com, fortress christmas linkedin.com fortress christmas and all those places in the world know your love language share it and find more love in the world thanks for tuning in we'll see you next time there